over the last five, 10 years, we've done a much better job uh, from a, an athlete standpoint, from a, a parent and coach standpoint, from a referee standpoint, identifying concussions. And so really the things that you're looking for for a concussion um, really are all over the place. So headache, just don't feel right, um, feeling like they're gonna throw up, feeling like they're in a, a, a daze or confused, uh, poor sleeping, uh, which can often happen in our teenagers anyway, um, feeling more nervous than normal, anxious, uh, um, dizziness, blurry vision, those kind of things are what we're looking for. Welcome back to the Play Healthy KC podcast, where we offer the parents of student-athletes tips, advice, and inspiration to help their athletes stay active and engaged in sport for a lifetime of participation. I'm your host, Todd Cover, and today we'll be talking about concussions in sport. Joining me is sports medicine physician Dr. Brian Harvey from the Children's Mercy Sports Medicine Center. As a pediatric sports medicine physician, Dr. Harvey specializes in the growing athlete he is board certified in general pediatrics and has an additional year of subspecialty training and board certification in sports medicine. His professional interests include research around the overhead athlete, tennis medicine, and concussion care. Thanks for uh, joining me today, Dr. Harvey, on uh, this episode of uh, Play Healthy KC. Thanks for having me. appreciate it. Um, since this is the only episode three of our podcast, uh, and we've yet to talk about concussions, let, let's just uh, use this episode to establish uh, kind of a baseline uh, with our conversation. So from a sports medicine physician point of view, how, how are concussions defined? Concussions are really defined as um, kind of a, a, a shot to the head or neck, direct or indirect, um, uh, that causes symptoms and those symptoms could be physical uh, with headache and dizziness and throwing up uh, to sleep disturbances to just not feeling right uh, and so your your head has a, a whiplash mechanism or it takes a direct hit and you have these symptoms that worsen uh, with physical or mental activity uh, and so those are the things that we kind of look for and look at as a, as a definition uh, in that definition uh, Things like CT scans and MRIs are going to be normal uh, if you get them, which they're not they're not necessary most of the time. But if you get them, it's it's not a structural issue. It truly is your brain chemistries uh, and, and physiology um, goes haywire after you take that direct or indirect shot to the head or neck. It, it doesn't seem like uh, until recent history. Uh, we started hearing and seeing the term brain injury uh, connected to concussions. But at the end of the day, uh, I mean, that's what it ultimately is, isn't it? Absolutely. So we we definitely make that uh, um, a mild traumatic brain injury uh, is how we look at it in the medical field. Uh, concussion is just an easier word to say. Uh, and so uh, it should be uh, considered a, a traumatic brain injury on the mild side. That is correct. And then uh, concussions are obviously linked to uh, the, the highly physical contact sports like football and hockey, but um, they can occur pretty much in any sport. 
Yes. Yeah. So the contact sports are definitely going to be your highest risk, things like football and soccer. Uh, but we have seen concussions uh, in golf and in tennis um, uh, in swimming, uh, just about any sport that you can you can think of. Uh, those concussions roll through the door. I know earlier you kind of touched on uh, some of the symptoms that uh, an athlete might experience. Um, just from a, a parent and coach point of view, I mean, what what should they uh, be looking for when when something happens, and and then once it's identified that those symptoms are in line with what could pro- possibly be a concussion, how should the athlete be treated? Yeah, I think that uh, over the last five ten years, we've done a much better job. Uh, from a an athlete standpoint, from a, a parent and coach standpoint, from a referee standpoint, identifying concussions. And so really the things that you're looking for for a concussion um, really are all over the place. So headache, just don't feel right, um, feeling like they're going to throw up, feeling like they're in a, a, a daze or confused, uh, poor sleeping, uh, which, which can often happen in our teenagers anyway, um, feeling more nervous than normal, anxious, uh, um, dizziness, blurry vision, those kind of things are what we're looking for. And, and if your athlete had uh, a game where it was contact or non-contact, but they start to say that their head hurts or they're a little bit dizzy, I think that you should potentially consider they have a concussion and, and really start to ask them, did you hit your head? Did you have any um, whiplash type things? Did your neck hurt? Um, that's what we're really looking for from a concussion standpoint. I would say most of the time uh, there isn't a big need to go to the emergency department. I think that when you suspect a concussion and your athlete or your kid is doing well, following up with uh, your regular physician, uh, sports medicine as an outpatient is completely reasonable. I think if you've got the worst headache of your life, if there's repeated vomiting, if there's uh, stuttering or slurring of their speech, they're just not acting like they're themselves or uh, you're nervous, then definitely take them to the emergency room. Just know that the emergency room may take a look at them and decide whether or not a CT scan is normal, and most of the time it's not. Once you have that diagnosis, really that first night, uh, you can go in and check on them for a, a night or two, but don't wake them up. I think that that's one of the other myths that is still out there is we got to wake them up every couple hours, make sure that they're doing well. We know that the brain needs rest uh, the first couple of days and going in and waking them up um, can kind of interfere with that computer resetting. And so uh, making sure if you want to go in and check on them, that's completely fine, but you don't have to wake them up. Uh, you just need to make sure that they're doing well. And then past that, from a follow-up standpoint, we're talking about uh, going to your sports medicine physician, going to your your regular physician uh, to get checked out, to get checked on, and and really have a good plan moving forward with your treatment. Yeah, it seems like you're kind of uh, setting the tee for me here. Um, Let's kind of talk about that return to play protocol and what that looks like uh, for an athlete returning from a concussion. Yeah, so... The, the really the big treatment change here in the last five, 10 years or so is really getting away from that cocoon therapy where send that athlete or send that kid into a dark room until they, they have no symptoms. We really want you to rest and relax for maybe 24 or 48 hours. But then what we want is really getting back into a normal routine as quickly as possible, 
that doesn't really make their symptoms worse. So we understand that they're going to have symptoms, but we want them to go back to school and communicate very, very well with those teachers, with the uh, coaches, what's going on, working with their athletic trainer, uh, their counselor, and their, their principals, really just to get a good plan at the school. Because uh, we want them to go back to school. We want them to have a good um, social interaction, getting out of that dark room. We know that those kids often do a little bit better, but we just don't want to make their symptoms worse. The other big change is making sure we get some type of non-contact, non-weightlifting uh, physical activity. So I'll often encourage my patients to go for a 20-minute walk. And if that's not causing their symptoms to get worse, let's go maybe for a, a 15 minute jog and, and slowly work their way back into exercise because in this case, exercise truly is medicine. Once they have no symptoms for 24 to 48 hours, they really go through that return to play protocol or process with their athletic trainer, with their coach, with their teacher, that essentially every 24 to 48 hours, they progress and, and get progressively more active. So they walk, jog. 24 to 48 hours still having no symptoms, they jog run. A day or two later, they can actually do a non-contact practice, and then they do a full contact practice. And then as long as everything's going well, at the end of you know five to 10 days, they can get back into their sport uh, without issues after they get cleared by their physician or sports medicine physician. So after going through the uh, return to play protocol in I'm sure this happens with with some athletes. Where is there a certain point where if they're not seeing any improvement that they should seek additional care? And uh, what does what does that treatment look like? And uh, uh, what what's that point? Yeah, I think that um, any time that uh, their regular physician is uncomfortable with the athlete, so a week to ten days, a couple of weeks in. Um, certainly seeking out a sports medicine physician is, is helpful. We'll often uh, send them into uh, physical therapy looking for their vestibular symptoms. So the ways that their eyes, ears, and brain all work together and play nicely together. We'll send them into physical therapy for neck pain. Um, we'll, we'll evaluate them to see if they're ready to start physical therapy uh, uh, and really to see if they're, they're ready to start some exercise. Um, I think by the time that they get to me, um, we've got to change a little bit of the way that athletes are sleeping, the way that they're eating and drinking. Um, so really, if they're not improving, if they're having any issues, if their regular physician is not comfortable um, at any time, but within those first couple of weeks is always helpful. Going back to the, uh, the initial um, injury and whether to go to the ER or not, from I'll put my parents' hat on, but from a perspective of hearing the term brain injury and then knowing that my child might be heading that way, I understand that if they if they don't have the symptoms that necessarily warrant an ER, to me, uh, putting those two terms together, <laughs> it would make me want to. Uh, make make me want to go that way and i guess the the question is is how does that uh i mean do you see that a lot where where parents maybe not so much overreact but um want to be on top of it uh maybe sooner than they necessarily need to yeah i think anytime that you're talking about the brain and the developing brain in particular um people get a little bit 
uh, nervous, and I think rightfully so. Um, I would think that uh, if if the parent or the student athlete or the athletic trainer on the sideline um, is uncomfortable at all, then I think that going to the emergency department to get checked out uh, is always uh, something that's a possibility and something that those parents could do. Uh, just because it, in my world it may not be necessary doesn't mean it's not necessary to calm fears and to educate and, and to help that student athlete or, or the parent out. Um, I think that the, the best thing is to have uh, an athletic trainer on the sideline uh, who can do a good neuro exam, who can do that initial screen. Um, and so uh, we really advocate for our athletic trainers um, to, to uh, really evaluate these things at several different times during the game, those kind of things. But if you get home and they just start complaining about it and you're worried about it, certainly an evaluation by the emergency department is an option. Uh, or as long as they're doing well, certainly call your, your regular physician or sports medicine clinic uh, first thing in the morning. You mentioned uh, growing brain. Is there any bigger concern if a uh, growing athlete experiences a concussion as opposed to you know a professional athlete having their first concussion at the age of you know 23 24. i think that uh that, that question is still trying to be answered uh I, obviously the more time you have left um the the brain either heals up really really well and and there potentially is no long-term effects um versus uh multiple concussions and their their time under the curve uh there really hasn't been uh in in those athletes that just play high school and a little bit of college contact sport uh this chronic traumatic encephalopathy that they kind of got a big uh buzz and those kind of things here uh over the past 10 years and so i think that there's a potential um the more and more you get uh, but the effects of one concussion in a 17-year-old versus their first concussion when they're 25, um, I don't think we have enough data or or really have enough research to say one way or the other that this is a bigger deal because they have a, a growing brain. You've mentioned it a couple times about the education around concussions. Um, there, there is still, I mean, a lot of misinformation out there, isn't there? Yeah, I think that there really is. I think that um, with concussions, it seems the, the, the treatment seems to change, the, the verbiage seems to change every five years or so. And so I think that that is often confusing, um, trying to stay up to date on the most recent literature, the most recent data, the most re recent treatment process um, can get difficult even for uh, us who do sports medicine all the time. Um, and so uh, I, I do think that there's a lot of misinformation. So if you have questions, certainly reach out to your regular doctor and or sports medicine. Uh, we're happy to answer those questions surrounding concussions. Is there anything else on concussions that uh, we didn't touch on that we probably should? I think that uh, a couple of things when we start to talk about the treatment, they're they're really just good quality of life and and things that and that you know teenager athletes should do anyway. Uh, one is sleep. Uh, you know, we're seeing athletes come in with four and five hours of sleep at baseline with their normal, and that certainly can uh, affect their concussion symptoms. And so really trying to get to that eight hours of sleep at night, I, I think with their regular day life, not just with a concussion, but certainly after a concussion is going to be helpful. 
I think the other thing is just having good hydration and nutrition. Um, I don't think I've met too many athletes that are adolescent at this point um, that drink enough water. Uh, and that's certainly important with the way that the concussions can potentially play with the blood pressure and the way that the blood returns back. Um, and so drinking water at baseline is certainly helpful, uh, but definitely needed after a concussion. Uh, and so, you know, I tell people try and drink eight ounces every hour while you're awake and, and try and stay hydrated, keep that tank full. Uh, that way, if you do have a concussion, it's not quite so hard to go from, uh, you know, drinking 20 ounces total of water per day to now I'm going to ask you to drink 96 plus uh, just to try and control some of your concussion symptoms. And so um, I think that those handful of things, uh, just eat better, sleep better, drink better, uh, both with and without a concussion uh, is something that uh, our young athletes need. Well, I appreciate that. You just set me up with uh, a few topics uh, down the road that we can uh, have you back for and uh, and talk about those. So thank you again for uh, the time today, and uh, we look forward to having you back. I appreciate it. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to another episode of Play Healthy KC, and thank you again to Dr. Brian Harvey for sharing his expert training regarding concussions, especially around the symptoms, treatment, and the return to play protocols. For more tips and information to help youth sports parents, please subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. If you have questions about today's show or ideas for future episodes, send us an email at sportsmed at cmh.edu. Until next time, play healthy, Casey.